Use it for his glory, right? And then that song just says, hey, man, he gives you breath in your lungs. And what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to use it for praise for him. And what a glorious, glorious blessing that is. And that goes so hand in hand with your message this morning. Because that which he gives you, life, breath, resources, relationships, whatever it is, that's given to you so that it can be used for his glory. Yeah, you're going to be the beneficiary of that too, I promise you. But they're all intended for his glory. But you know, one of the most dramatic changes that occurs in a Christian's life is the way that he or she spends their time. When you become a child of God, your pursuits become different. When you become a child of God, your ambitions become different. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and he said, He, Jesus, died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but should live for Him who died for them and rose again. Friends, as God's ambassadors through faith in Jesus Christ, you and I have chosen, say I've chosen, I have chosen no longer to live for self. I have chosen instead to live for God. However, I think you would agree with me that this transition is not always the easiest thing in the world to do. It may be difficult at first to put aside those things that feed the flesh. It may be difficult at first to focus on things that feed the Spirit. But today, in your 11th cornerstone of faith, priorities, we're going to see, we're going to examine what God's Word says. We're going to get a few pointers if you will, from God's Word on how to make sure your spiritual priorities are in order. And the reason is, is because in order to be a true follower of Jesus, you are going to have to be completely, say completely, completely devoted to Him. To be a true follower of Jesus, you're going to have to come to the place where you let nothing else, say nothing else, nothing else get in the way of your commitment to Him. Paul said, Jesus died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but live for Him who died for them and rose again. So that being the case, your first pointer 
to help you get your priorities in order is to place Christ before everything else. To place Christ before everything else. In Philippians chapter 3, and I want you to go there in your Bibles if you will, because I want you to see this for yourself. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 4, the Apostle Paul is talking to church folks. Okay? He very well, this could have been the, the, the book of 1 Bethelonian. Amen? Uh, he could have been talking to us today. And he wants us to know how important it is for you and for me to place Christ first in everything we do. I'm going to share this with you from the New Living Translation. But you follow along with me in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 4. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said to the church at Philippi. He said, though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anybody could, indeed, if others have reason for confidence, I have even more, Paul said. Paul said, I was circumcised according to the Jewish law when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. I'm a member of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I'm, I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. In fact, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Paul goes on to say, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done for me. Yes, everything else is worthless when it's compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. For His sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous, here comes, through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith. In these verses, Paul begins by telling us that he was the perfect example of the good Jew. He was born a member of God's chosen people, Israel. He declared that he had flawlessly obeyed God's law. And so he grew up thinking that he was doing everything right. I think sometimes we get into this zone where we think we're doing everything right. Paul had the right country. He had the right family. He had the right heritage. He had the right beliefs. He had the right passion. He had the right morality. And then one day on the road to Damascus, Syria, Paul met Jesus. And it was on that day that Paul realized that everything that he had been living for was sending him down the wrong direction. 
But after he encountered the living Jesus Christ, and after he completely yielded his life to the Lord, he considered all his reputation, he considered all his achievements, he considered all his pursuits, he considered all his possessions to be worthless. All those things no longer had value in Paul's life. In fact, the Bible says that he counted them as rubbish. From now on, Paul's sole pursuit was going to be knowing and serving Jesus. Friend, do you, like the Apostle Paul, place Jesus above everything else in your life? Is Jesus and your service to him your number one priority? If there's anything above that, your priorities are out of order. Now, if you're not sure if your priorities are in order or not, I want you to ask yourself these questions as I ask them. Are you ready? Say amen if you're ready. Here we go. How do you spend your time? Do you spend it in self-centered pursuits? Self-centered ambitions? How do you spend your time? Number two, what dominates your thoughts? Is it what's going to make me feel good? What's going to make me look better? What dominates your thoughts? Number three, what are your priorities? Are you hung up on the priority of making money? Are you hung up on the priority of uh, recreation, having fun? Are you hung up on the priority of eating? Oh, now Brother Bill's getting personal, amen. That's, 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 a, that's a priority for me, amen. <laughs> I got to admit. Where are your priorities? Number four, what motivates you? What gets you going? What lights your fire? What encourages you? Is it those things that fulfill self? Is it personal gain? Is that what inspires you? Is it fame and fortune that really lights your fire? If the most important thing in your life is Jesus Christ, then your life, that is, your time, your thoughts, your priorities, and your motives will all revolve around knowing Jesus more. Did you hear me, church? 
If Jesus is your number one priority, then everything about your life will revolve around knowing him and serving him. You're going to spend more time learning about the nature of God. You're going to spend more time learning about the will of God for your life and for your family's life. You're going to spend more time learning about the plans of God for you and yours. And you're going to do this by studying what Jesus taught people who did have him as their number one priority. You see, because ultimately, as you read through the stories of the scriptures, all the godly men and all the godly women, when it was all boiled down, their number one priority was God. Friend, when you do this, you will be making the infinite value of knowing Jesus your number one priority, too. So to keep your priorities in order, we begin by placing Christ before everything. Say everything. Before everything else. The greatest commandment was given by the Lord himself. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That means he's your number one priority. But there's a second pointer that I want to share with you, and that is not only must we place Christ before everything else, but we must also balance Christian work with Christian worship. We have to be careful not to lose sight of Jesus Christ in the midst of all of our activity for Him. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 38, we find a story of how absolutely necessary it is to balance our Christian work with worship. I want to share that story with you. Luke wrote down and said, Now it happened as they went that he, Jesus, entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And Martha had a sister named Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted. Distracted with much serving and she approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried. You are worried and you are troubled 
with a great many things. You are worried and you're troubled about so many things. But one thing is needed. One thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Here we find two personalities. We find Martha the worker, and we find Mary the worshiper. Now, before you get down on Martha, all of you can identify with Martha. She was a practical kind of gal. Amen? Just a practical kind of person. And deep down, I believe that she really wanted to please the Lord. But she made a common mistake that many people, perhaps in this room, have tried to make. And that is, she tried to offer work as worship. She tried to offer Christian work as her spiritual worship. Consider this. Martha had invited Jesus into her house. He invited Jesus into her house, and then once he got there, she neglected her guest. How many Christians have invited Jesus into their house, into their temple, only to neglect the worship of him once he got there. I think that we can all say that we've been guilty of that at one point or another. When Jesus arrived, what he wanted was her attention. He wanted her attention, but all she offered him was this flurry of activity. And as a result, Mary started getting tired. As a result of this flurry of activity, Mary started getting discouraged. She started feeling overworked and all alone. Like Martha, all work and no worship can make you and I real weary too. When you work continuously for the Lord, but you fail to take time out to worship Him and to draw from His spiritual resources, it's only a matter of time, friend. Only a matter of time before you burn out. And when you burn out on the Lord, chances are really good that you're going to leave the Lord. This is a very important matter. But Mary, on the other hand, she kind of seemed to have her life in balance. She recognized that, yes, there's a time to work, but there's also a time to worship. She knew that at some point, you got to take the apron off. You got to take your work clothes off, and you have to park it in front of Jesus and sit at the Master's feet. 
Learn from me. For my burden is light. So while Martha was busy being a hostess and a, a server, Mary seized this wonderful opportunity to park it in front of the Savior and her Lord. You see, friend, few things can be as damaging in the Christian's life other than trying to work for Christ without taking time to connect with Him. Can you see what Jesus is after with you? He's not after your work. He's after that connection with you. Paul wrote to Timothy, and he gave one verse in 2 Timothy 2.6, and it really applies here. And I'm going to repeat it a couple of times because I really want you to get this. It makes a, it's kind of a, an Anderson verse because we have a lot of farming going on around us. Here's what Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, the hardworking farmer, the hardworking farmer should be the first to partake of the crops. The farmer that's putting through all his blood, sweat, and tears should be the first one to partake of what he's working so hard for others to get. In other words, you can't effectively feed others unless you're being spiritually fed yourself. So we have to realize that what we do with Christ is far more important than what we do for Christ. The doing for Christ will come as a result of your time with. So don't get caught up. Don't get caught up serving the Lord so much that you forget to worship Him. That you forget to know Him better. Because when you strike that proper balance, friend, you'll, you'll, you'll work and you'll worship, but you'll be able to avoid spiritual burnout and you'll be able to maintain effective service for the Lord. So to keep your priorities in order, we need to begin by placing Christ before everything else. But you also need to learn to balance your Christian work with worship. Third pointer this morning. Maintain your spiritual passion. I'm going to be the bearer of bad news in this next sentence. Your time on earth is short. I'm sorry. But your time on earth is very short. Moses prayed to God in Psalm 90 verse 12, and he said to the Lord, So teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Friends, let us resolve not to waste this short time that we have on things that are temporary. Let us resolve, friend, not to waste our, our time on things that simply will not last. Instead, let's ask God to help us spend our time, our precious time, on things that count for eternity. Things that will outlast this life. 
Once again, Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said, Be watchful in all things. He said, Y'all need, need to be paying attention. Y'all need to be paying attention to the news. You need to be paying attention to the signs of the times. You need to be paying attention to the shadows of the great tribulation that are happening all around us. Y'all need to be watchful. Y'all need to be paying attention. Endure afflictions. Whatever it is you got to endure, you need to endure it. But do the work of an evangelist. What does that mean? It means share Jesus. It means tell somebody else about the Lord. Time is short. If you don't have much time, then the next guy don't have much time either. Paul says do the work of an evangelist. Not only living your life as a Christian, but how about speaking the gospel good news to someone? And then finally he says, fulfill your ministry. How many of you know that every person in this room has a ministry? Raise your hand if you believe you got a ministry. Amen. You may not know what it is, but every one of us have a ministry. This is not a pastoral thing. This is not a minister thing. This is a Christian thing. Fulfill your your ministry. And when you choose to spend time with God rather than pursuing those things that only bring temporary satisfaction, here's the promise of Scripture for you. The promise of Scripture is, is that you will taste the grace of God. You'll get a glimpse of the grace of God. Listen to what Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2. He said, Therefore, laying aside all malice, anger, laying aside all deceit, Laying aside all hypocrisy, laying aside all envy, laying aside all evil speaking. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, that the Lord is gracious. Friend, I pray that you'll be watchful in all things, that you will endure afflictions, that you will do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. And I'm not trying to tell you this morning that it's easy. It's hard work keeping our spiritual zeal stoked and burning hot, but we've got to be deliberate about it. We've got to be intentional about it. If you'll do this, people will see the light of Christ in you and they'll come to Him. I once hoped to write a book. And the title of this book was going to be 25 Ways That You Can Stay on Fire for Jesus and Not Burn Out. That'd be pretty good information to know, wouldn't it? 25 Ways to Stay on Fire for Jesus but Not Burn Out. It would be loosely based on Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 21, which happens to be the same passage of Scripture that Brother Terry White shared with me when I was ordained as pastor here at Bethel Baptist Church. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. 25 ways to get on fire for Jesus and not burn out. It goes quicker than it sounds. Here it goes. Let love 
be without hypocrisy. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in hard work. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulations, steadfast in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. But do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for the good things inside of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it's written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So how do you stay on fire? Stay on fire for Jesus, but not burn out. Well, the first thing is, you need to recognize that it's not only suggested. It's God is not only encouraging you to stay on fire. He's commanding it. He's commanding us as believers, as children of God, as disciples, as true followers. He's demanding, commanding that we stay on fire. Verse 11, we're commanded to be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. In other words, you're just serving the Lord with passion and with enthusiasm. You're to be serving the Lord with a burning heart. And Revelation chapter 3 tells us how important this is. In Revelation chapter 3, Jesus was talking to the Apostle John. And here's what he said. He said, to the angel of the church, the pastor of the church of the Laodiceans, write this. These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works. I know your works. That you're neither cold nor hot. Oh, how I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. So Jesus is warning that church at Laodicea, and in so doing, he's warning the church at Bethel that they might be in danger of being vomited out of the Lord's mouth. Why? Because their works had no passion. Because their works had no passion. They were offensive. They were offensive and lukewarm toward our Lord and Savior. In essence... They had lost their spiritual fire. 
And as a result of that loss of spiritual fire, they were an insult to Jesus. And Jesus said, if you don't make this right, Jesus said, if you don't repent, if you don't change your mind, change your heart, and change your ways, I'm going to reject you. Their works had no passion. So what are you and I to do to keep our spiritual passion on fire? Well, in our current COVID area, in the current COVID era, you ain't got to go far to find Christians who have become lukewarm. The devastating break in our close fellowship, friends, wreaks havoc on our spiritual life and it's not really all our fault. We just have to be deliberate and intentional about keeping our spiritual fire stoked. So you got to feed the fire by spending as much time as you can with God's people. I know it's inhibited. I know it's not happening the way we want it to happen. But as much time as you can I want to encourage you to spend time with God's people. Secondly, you feed the fire by spending time daily in God's word. You remember the two discouraged disciples that were walking down the road to Emmaus together? They were igniting one another's fire by speaking the word. By speaking about things of Jesus. You ever gotten that way? You get with a fellow Christian and you start talking about the things of Jesus. You start talking about the promises of God. You start talking about the word of God. And all of a sudden now you're inspired. Your spiritual fire has been uh, made hotter. Same thing happened on the Emmaus Road that day. Remember what they said? They said, did not our hearts burn? Did we not get fired up while Jesus talked to us on the road? Did we not get fired up when he opened the scriptures to us? The reason is, is because you feed your fire by spending time daily in the word of God. Listening to the words of Jesus. Whether it be through reading it or hearing the preaching or hearing the teaching. The words of Jesus can rekindle a person's passion for God. So feed your fire by spending as much time as you can with God's people. Feed your fire by spending time daily in the word of God. But you can also feed the fire by spending time with God in prayer. Even Jesus kept his fire Stoked through prayer. He stayed encouraged because he stayed engaged with the Father. You remember before he made that incredibly difficult decision of choosing the original 12 apostles? Do you remember what he did? The Bible says in Luke 6, Now it came to pass in those days that Jesus went out to a mountain to pray. And that wasn't the end of the story. You ready for the rest of the story? Say amen. The rest of the story was he continued all night in prayer with the Father. And when he came down off that mountain, 
He called all of his disciples together. And from all the disciples, he chose 12. And he named them apostles. Prayer helps keep us aligned with God's will. Prayer helps us stay in line with what God wants. Remember the Garden of Gethsemane? Remember what Jesus said? Not my will, Father, but your will be done. That's what prayer does for me and you. When you get discouraged, when you get disillusioned, when you get burnt out, how about spending the time with the Creator God? It's all about Him. So friend, what is your spiritual temperature today? And we come back and we meet together like this, Sweet Willie's fire is on fire, amen? Yeah. Yeah, I get fired up when, I'm, when I meet with God's people. I get fired up when I stay in God's word. I get fired up, man, when I'm spending time with God in prayer. I pray you do too. What's your spiritual temperature? Are your spiritual priorities in order? Are you passionate about the Lord you claim to serve? Do you make the most of every opportunity to tell someone about Him? Are you still praying about recording your redemption story? Are you still praying about that? The great evangelist John Wesley once said, You give me a hundred men who love God with all their heart and fear nothing but sin, and we will move the world. I believe John was on something. If we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and we're serving the Lord with passion and enthusiasm, your life, my life, will make a difference. And how many of you would agree that we need to make a difference in the world we live in? And you can continue to make a difference if you'll keep your priorities in order. Placing Christ before everything else. Balancing your Christian work with your spiritual worship. And maintaining your spiritual passion by hanging out with the people of God, reading daily from the Word of God, and speaking and communicating with God in prayer. Friend, if you're here today and you say, well, I ain't never had no passion like that. I've never made God my priority like that. I've never been like Paul where nothing else took Jesus' place. Today can be your day. It's decision day. It's an opportunity for you to make a decision for Christ. So I want to encourage you, if you've never come to the Lord, you can today. And if there's something that needs to change in your life, to get and place Jesus before everything else, I want to encourage you to do that today. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you that you even want to be our priority. Lord, we praise you and we thank you that you have redeemed your people 
for yourself. And it breaks our heart that it took the sacrificed blood of Jesus to purchase our redemption.